1: Kroger, fresh for everyone.
0: This is the Los Angeles CityCast with Danielle Alvari presented by Bett Rivers.
1: Welcome into your Monday edition of the Los Angeles CityCast, presented by BetRivers Sportsbook. I'm your host, Danielle Alvari and yes, I am still trying to recover from the insanity that was this NFL Divisional weekend. Before we get into that, I mean, by the way, UCLA and USC men's basketball still chugging along. Both of them won... Last Thursday and on Saturday, a road sweep for both of them. We'll get into their games that are coming up this week a little bit later on in the show. Also, shout out to UCLA Women's Basketball, who beat USC on Sunday, 68-58, to never a doubt. And that was down several players as well. So, shout out UCLA Women's Basketball for that win. Love beating SC. Doesn't matter the sport. Uh, NFL Divisional Round, though. I mean... Bengals-Titans, game-winning field goal. 49ers-Packers, game-winning field goal. Do you get the trend? Rams-Bucks, Bills-Chiefs. And Bills-Chiefs was an overtime, mind you, which I know a lot of people were upset about, and we'll get into that as well. Like I said, in today's show, first things first, we'll recap the Rams' win over the Bucks and, of course, talk about the rest of this NFL Divisional Weekend. And then UCLA and USC basketball, as promised. ASU at USC on Monday. Not very exciting. But then the big one, UCLA hosting Arizona on Tuesday. Everybody's been waiting for this matchup. Arizona fans were particularly testy. They were a little bit upset that this game got canceled and moved and, and whatever. Well, postponed really. And uh, they let it known on the Twitter sphere. But it is finally here, and we're gonna talk all about it. But first things first, we always check out the Los Angeles Lines available at Bet River Sportsbook NFC Championship. That's what we're talking about now after this Rams Bucks win. Incredible. Uh, amazing, amazing for Rams fans. But now they have to face the 49ers again. At least they're at home this time. 49ers at the Rams. Rams, three and a half point favorites. Total sitting at 46 and a half right now on Bat Rivers. In the NBA, futures, Clippers are 16 to one to win the West. Lakers, meanwhile, are six to one. And then the Clippers are now 35 to 1 to win the championship. And the Lakers are 14 to 1, which is really interesting if you think about it. Not I mean, not really interesting, but interesting insofar as the Clippers can be, because they were 25 to 1, not but a few weeks ago. So that's dropped precipitously down to 35 to 1 and is almost an in interesting territory for me because again, if they get Kawhi back, and if and when they get Paul George back from his injury, his elbow issue. This is a completely different team, and you're not going to see that 35 to 1 in theory. So, interesting, interesting drop. Also, let's throw some NHL into because as football season is wrapping up, some would say the saddest time of the year because, especially in sports betting, NFL is king, football is king. Uh, but there are other sports, and one of them is hockey. And I used to really love betting on hockey last year. I haven't been able to do it as much this year. I actually made my first bet the other night of the season, I think, uh, on some hockey. And I don't even think it was an L.A. game. I believe it was like a Lightning game. Oh, that no, it was. It was Lightning at Kings. And I took the Lightning money line, uh, or Puck line, rather, excuse me. We'll get into that, but Puck line is, is just minus one and a half, For hockey, uh, similar to baseball's run line, so minus one and a half. So you can bet hockey money line who's going to win the game, but you can also bet the puck line and probably get better value sometimes depending on who's playing. So with that said, the Kings at the Rangers going on on Monday night, the Kings are minus 186 on the puck line. So again, that would mean that the Kings are getting one and a half since they are the dog in this. So it would be Kings plus one and a half goals. At minus 186. I hope that made sense. You know, it made sense in my head. So if it didn't, just tweet at me and let me know. I'm sure you will. But the Kings on the regular old money line just to win the game. Plus 135. Goal total set for this game at 5.5. And And then also on Monday, the Ducks at the Bruins. I don't know where we stand on the Ducks. Because the Ducks are in Anaheim. And this is the Los Angeles City Cast. But I'm going to rope them in. Because why not? It's nice to have a rival. Especially within your own city. Which is... Uh, blessing of Los Angeles, UCLA versus USC, Lakers versus Clippers, Ducks versus Kings. It's fun. Dodgers, Angels, all of that good stuff. All of that to say, the Ducks are at the Bruins. They're on the road. The Bruins are incredible. The Ducks are minus one fifteen on the puck line, so Ducks uh, plus one and a half, and then money line plus two twenty. So that tells you they are certainly less likely to win this game than the Kings say versus the uh, the Kings would be versus the Rangers. Total for this? Six goals. Ducks at Bruins. Kind of a high total. If it was five and a half, though, I could see why you'd want to take the over on that. Kings at Rangers. I haven't been looking at this close enough to actually accurately handicap it, but my initial thought right off the bat is to go over in this game, just the way that the Kings have been playing as of late. We're going to have to bring Andy McNeil back on, our VEASAN NHL analyst, to get me re- reintroduced to hockey, of course, once football is over. You can find all these odds at BetRivers Sportsbook. Now let's get into football while we still have it. And yes, we are staying alive here in Los Angeles. Rams beat the Bucks as three-point dogs. Total for this one was 48. That definitely goes over. Final score, 30-27. to 27. That was actually one of the strongest public plays by ticket percentage for BetRivers. Uh, first overall for them was Rams-Bucks over 48 and a half. So everybody was all over that play and they nailed it. Uh, Rams win, they cover as road dogs, and they advance to the NFC Championship. I really liked something that Sean McVay said after this game, which was, it's pretty simple, but he said, I love this team, the way they stay connected and stay together. Again, very simple, but it's so true for this team especially, and it's huge, because you could see the cracks even. Let's just use the Bucks here. Tom Brady was out there doing his thing, but you could see the cracks where the other parts of the Bucks team were not trusting each other, and understandably so, because we saw them just completely self-destruct. When I previewed this game last week, and also Ryan Rothstein from the Philadelphia CityCast hopped on and we talked about this game, uh, a couple things I said, and I just want to go back over them because... It's how the Rams won. It's it's kind of what I said the Rams needed to do to win this game, and it, it worked out for them in that favor. So previewing, we said LA's defense is 22nd against the pass. Yikes. Because Tampa Bay's offense was number one in the pass. So we're expecting to see a lot of passing on both sides. If you have the over props on Matt Stafford's passing yards, I'm sure that cash. Uh, over 320 passing yards each. Matt Stafford was, what, closer to 380. So, check. Lots of passing on both sides. Plus, we knew that the Rams were down a couple safeties, uh, so expected Tom Brady to be able to kind of do his thing, which he definitely did. He did have his Tom moments. Uh, also said that the Bucks would try to stop whatever the Rams' run game was that they would try to get going. They were really successful versus the Eagles last week. And I said that they just needed to do enough to give Stafford some slack, which is what we saw. This was a heavy passing game, but 73 net rushing yards for the Rams, about 20 more than the Bucks. Um, and I think that that was just enough, just enough to give Stafford a little breathing room. Uh, didn't force him so much uh, to have to c- create situations where he was going to be throwing interceptions, even though, let's be honest, there was a couple dicey situations that he avoided. Also said the Rams' defense would need to just ruin Tom Brady's day. Three sacks, Von Miller, uh, Aaron Donald, Floyd, Uh, plus they had an interception. So check, 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 check. Yes, absolutely made Tom Brady's job difficult. Now, did he still Tom Brady? Yeah, he did. He's the GOAT. Uh, But the Rams defense did their best. And this is frankly why I ended up making the bet I did before this game. Um, I tweeted it out, but I didn't tweet it out particularly early because it really came down to the wire for me. I was going back and forth and back and forth. And then I just thought about what I did with this Rams team as of recently with betting and not really – actually believing in them, looking at my handicap, thinking I should bet them and not doing it. And I said, no more. So I went Rams money line on this one at plus 120. Even before I made it, I thought, well, what if they fall behind, you know, and I can get a better money line number on them early live in game. And then I was like, this Rams team, if they're going to win this game, which I'm taking the money line in this situation, they're going to have to be up the half. That's how they play. That's how Sean McVay plays. Um, I actually had a friend tell me that they also bet this Rams first half, and I said, I almost I love that bet more than the bet I made because, as we saw, it really came down to the wire at the end. And what I was worried about was Tom Brady doing Brady-ish things in the end. And I know that Tom Brady is not the entire handicap to this game, obviously, but the other parts of it were were pretty negative. He's the positive side of this handicap because the Bucks. Pretty much self destructed here. Um, I mean, they were the only remaining team in the postseason with a weighted DVOA lower than their total DVA, DVOA, including the playoffs. So almost kind of a team trending up, meaning the Rams. Things starting to click for them work well. Matt Stafford seemed to get that turnover bug out of his system these last two games now. Were, I mean, never say never. That's not necessarily... That's part of his DNA, let's maybe say. But... This team that's kind of trending up versus a team, the Bucks, dealing with some offensive line injuries. They just lost Antonio Brown. That was chaos a little bit. I mean, not really a huge loss for them, but just in general trending downward, opposite directions here. Um, and even if you look at their stats, just they were kind of in struggle mode and the Rams were hitting a stride. Uh, when I talk about self-destructing here, the penalties, guys. Does anybody want to see a taunting penalty? Do we? Like, how do you honestly feel about a taunting Vandal? And also, I do think it's funny because you can always, we don't always hear what they said. We can kind of see the mouthing of the words on the playback sometimes. Like, I think that on Tom Brady's unsportsmanlike, he just said, are you kidding me? Which, that's, that's unsportsmanlike. Like, that's, I'd, it'd be weird if he didn't say that, right? Uh, but on these penalties, uh, like, you know, like Sue got or whatever, it's always because they're pointing, right? Like if you're pointing, you're gonna get a taunting penalty. You are. If you're like in someone's face and pointing, that's taunting. See, you don't even need to know what the audio is there. You could just see me going like this and you would be like taunting flagger. But (laughs) if, I think that the answer is if you want to say something mean, it's just like in real life. You're going to get away with it easier if you're smiling and making happy hand gestures like I'm going to end you, right? Just a thought. Regardless, these penalties were absolutely brutal for the Bucks. So Brady, and not to mention the drops. The drops in this game were just brutal. And I frankly would not want to be A player who drops one of Tom Brady's passes in a playoff game. I'd literally rather be anybody else. (laughs) Because you could just see Brady's frustration with this team. They were completely rattled. And he looked pissed. He looked pissed. I mean, they had four third down drops. The drops were atrocious. Uh, Brady actually started three of ten. By literally no fault of his own. He was hitting people right in the numbers. And it just... he was placing it in their hands and just drop after drop after drop. And it speaks to a bigger question too, of people kind of talking about how wide receivers are just not as good as they used to be. And it does seem like we're seeing so many more drops than usual. So not sure what to make of that. And also even on the defensive side, kind of as of late talking about trending downwards, the bucks have dropped six interceptions in the playoffs alone. So that's not good. You know, there's so many times where this game could have swung for them. And there's, it did kind of have moments. I mean, even the Weddle almost, almost uh, penalty, or rather penalty, but really just because the ball had already hit the ground wasn't as bad as it was going to be. I'm sure Evans was beside himself about that one, as anybody would be. But, you know, there were breaks for both sides, I think. And also, I fully expected on that final drive for Matt Stafford to pull what he's been pulling a lot of the end of that season and turn the ball over. Were we not all waiting for that? That's, I mean, that's the only thing that could have ended this for them I because it was headed to overtime and I see Stafford with the ball and he's got to get down the field quickly to end this and maybe it doesn't matter. We'll go to overtime, but I don't want to go to overtime with Tom Brady. Do you? And I'm just thinking this is his moment, right? This is his playoff moment where everyone says that he loses in the playoffs when he's with the Lions, and he turns the ball over and whatever. And so this was like a very make-or-break moment for Matt Stafford. And he tries to rush and almost loses the ball. And I'm like, of course, yes, that would be a funnier way to do it, not even passing. Um, But he holds on to it. He figures it out. And then... Of course, old reliable, drops back, huge one, launches it to none other than Cooper Cup. And I'm not convinced he was sure that was going to get there or that Cup was going to make that catch. I really feel like he was like, I said this on Twitter, but he was very like, let go and let Cup. You know, like, I hope he's there. Trust the connection. It was like that Harry Potter moment with like the wands connected. It just felt like it was just on this. Lightning trajectory straight into Cooper Cup's arms. It was beautiful. Um, and that set up the field goal. And frankly, what else was Tom Brady supposed to do? I don't think the Bucks deserve him. Uh, we don't deserve him, frankly. I'm, I'm getting sad about him retiring. And whether you love or hate Brady, you can't deny that he's incredible. And, and you can't deny his legacy. Um, and we're just lucky we get to watch him play football. Because Brady's do not come around every generation. Let's just say that. Um, but good on Matt Stafford. And more so the feel-good kind of story of this all. I mean, if you feel like you're in a place in your life where you don't love where you're at or uh, you want to make some changes, I think we all probably feel that way with the, the current state of everything being so chaotic in the world. But just think about this. In a year's time, Matt Stafford, in January, January 23rd, actually, of 2021, asked for a trade from the Detroit Lions. And then one year later... Sunday, January 23rd, leads a late game-winning drive, beats Tom Brady and the defending Super Bowl champions to advance to the NFC Championship. I mean, what a, what a amazing change that one year made just for him. Just needed the right opportunity. And that's just a good life lesson for all of us, I think. You're just one opportunity away from your greatness. I believe that. Uh, next up, though, unfortunately, you know, It's like, yay, we made it to the NFC Championship, and then you find out we're playing the 49ers, and you're like, oh, and I hate when I say we. I just mean next up the Rams are playing the 49ers. And it's kind of a deflate because we know that the Rams played the 49ers at the 49ers in their last regular season game, and it did not go well, and it's not the first time. We know there's some kind of little 49ers curse going on here, which is not a scientific betting term by any stretch of the imagination, but there is something about this 49ers-Rams rivalry, and this Sean McVay-Shanahan uh, situation that just never seems to break in the Rams' favor. The 49ers just seem to have them figured out. They have their card. And that is troublesome. It's worrisome. But I'm going to try to do what I did for this Bucks game where I don't let the lore of Tom Brady linger over and I was just like, let's go Rams money line and, and make it happen. Because I didn't think I didn't want the points, you know, and I think that once we do the analysis kind of side by side of these two teams, look back at what went wrong when these teams played last, uh, there'll be a clearer picture of, of what's going to be right. But Rams laying three and a half off the bat is dicey to me. We saw how low scoring that 49ers game was on Saturday. Uh, versus the Bu- or versus the Packers. And yes, there was snow, so okay. But these 49ers games, especially versus the Rams, tend to be on the lower scoring side. Um, that said, the Rams offense was looked great. Looked great on Sunday. I think that the 49ers defense is going to give them more trouble than the Bucks did. And three and a half. I'm interested to see which way this kind of goes. I have to imagine that people are going to take the 49ers at plus three and a half and you're going to lose that number and it's going to go down to three. We'll see though let's talk about the rest of the nfl divisional round games because they were also insane bet rivers actually sent us uh, the handle on these games so i thought this was really interesting so we could kind of look at where the public won and where the book did plus look at some of the trends that c- will be continuing after the way that the weekend panned out and i'm calling that segment so trendy because this is the los angeles city cast and i like to keep you guys up to date on the trends you know i don't want you to look foolish so Bengals Titans. Titans were a three and a half point favorite. Total was 47.5. Titans' money line had 71% of the money and 52% of the bets. Okay. Most of the money. Titans' spread had 64% of the money and 51% of the bets. So pretty, pretty even there as far as uh, the tickets go. And then the over had 77% of the money, which I thought was comical. And the under <laughs> and the, uh, Also, 70% of the bets as well. So not just the money, but a lot of people, a lot of tickets thinking that this over was going to happen. Meanwhile, uh, the game finished 19-16. to Bengals win it. Bengals cover as road dogs here. And I think shocked a lot of people. I talked about this with Ryan when he came on the podcast, and I thought about teasing the Bengals with uh, the 49ers, actually. And he was like, oh, well, wouldn't you just tease the Packers down uh, to win it? And I was like, yeah, that's probably a good idea. But then upon further reflection later, I was like, no, I like the idea of the 49ers better. And that ended up working out as well. So that's great. I didn't even need to tease it, frankly. Now it's like, oh, that was silly. I could have bet the Bengals and the 49ers money line. Really should have just uh, gotten big, gotten big on myself there. But yeah. It's it's it just goes to show you right like we talk about people who bet for example I know Josh Applebaum does this a lot who works with VEASAN. uh, you'll probably see him on the VEASAN, uh, site very often and he kind of bets reverse line movement and against the public basically tries to follow where the sharp money is maybe you've heard that and sharp betters right and so this is a perfect example of all this money and and. A lot of the bets and the public were on the over. That did not come close to happening. They were on the Titans. That didn't happen. That was a huge upset, right? Um, But a huge win for the book, obviously. Uh, As for the so trendy portion for this game, uh, the Bengals had won four of their last five games when they were underdogs against AFC opponents. This is very specific, so do not read too much into these. These are just for fun, mostly. Uh, But the Bengals had won four of their last five underdogs against AFC opponents, now up to five. So people underestimating the Bengals, and they are on the come-up. Also, the Bengals had covered the spread in five straight games, make it six. And four of the Titans' last five games had gone under. And as we said, final score, 19-16. to So another under. Uh, Speaks volumes about that Titans' defense. uh, (laughs) Because the not-so-trendy part of this, not trendy, not cool, we're not doing this anymore, is letting Joe Burrow get sacked nine times. Not trendy. Ouch, take better care of Joey B, please. Sacked nine. I can't even. It. It's not a new problem. We're moving on. It's not a new problem. You got to figure it out, though. And uh, by the way, the Bengals are on to play the Chiefs next. So uh, please just Joe Burrow survive the game. That's our best wish for you. Uh, as for the 49ers at the Packers, Packers are five and a half point favorites here. Six at one point. That's why we talked about teasing it, even. And total was 47. Packers' money line for this game at Bet Rivers, 93% of the money. It means only 7% bet on the Niners' money line uh, with their money, at least. And then 78% of the bets are the tickets, if you will. Uh, the Packers' spread, 83% of the money. People didn't even want the points with the Niners and 67% of the bets. Uh, Over had 46% of the money uh, and 63% of the bets. So more people betting on the under in terms of money, but 63%, that's actually surprising because we know that the public loves overs, but obviously people looked at the weather report and saw that this might be a snow game. So uh, nothing crazy with the total there, but Packers upset Aaron Rodgers out of the playoffs and probably done with the Packers. Is he, is he done with the, pa- I mean, it's, it's a lot, it's a lot to all take in at one and one grasp. but this 49ers team is impressive. If you look at, at how their season kind of has gone so far, uh, the regular season, and then into how the playoffs are going for them now. And Jimmy G, my goodness, like, where was this version of this guy the whole season? Uh, but. As you know, 49ers won this one, so Packers' money line did not cash, Packers' spread did not cash, and all that money. 93% of the money on the money line and 83% of the money on the spread. Uh, so if you followed that kind of uh, – I mean, if you followed the money there, you still would have lost, you know? If you were trying to be sharp and follow uh, – nobody nobody would have blamed you for this one. This was This was tough to read. As for the so-trendy part of this, here's here was what was so-trendy. So the Packers had won the first half in six straight games against NFC West opponents. Very specific. They won the first half of this one. They were, it was 7-0. to zero. Not the half that mattered, as it turned out. Uh, and also, six of the 49ers' last seven postseason games, so going back a couple of years here, uh, had gone under. This certainly did. It had snow, so, you know, but what a yawn offensively. And the fact that it goes back several, you know, seasons kind of speaks about the culture of this program and it speaks volumes about this 49ers defense. Not so trendy side of this game, uh, not in style anymore. The Packers had covered the spread in four straight divisional round games that ended. That's not cute. We're not doing that. That's that's too bad. But unfortunately for Packers fans, I think that's the future for you. It's almost like low-rise jeans coming back in style for women. It's a nightmare. Uh, and it's unfortunate. It's heartbreaking. Also, losing Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback, most likely. And losing when Aaron Rodgers is your quarterback again. I mean, no no shade to this 49ers team. But, yeah, not trendy. Rams at Bucks. Let's do this one, too. So the Bucks money line only had 37% of the money, which is interesting because everybody loves to back Tom Brady, but, no, people, people were not having it. And good on them. Buccaneer spread had 56% of the money and 42% of the bets. And then the over on this game had 59% of the money but 75% of the bets. So tons of tickets on the over, but not necessarily tons of money on it, just under 60%. Here's how it went the over hit. We know that the over definitely hit a uh, 57 point scored and no Buccaneers money line. So Rams with what three 63% of the money on their money line and that cash. So this is where people beat the book. The Rams helped help the public out here. Uh, the Rams. By the way, have won five straight games as underdogs against the Bucks. Make it six. It was five going into this game. It's now six as underdogs against the Buccaneers. So that go back. That goes back seasons at this point as well. So that's the thing about these trends is whenever you see like, oh, they've won ten straight going back to what year? Because those were different players, and in the Bucks' case, possibly a different quarterback. So, uh, but make it six, five straight. Don't count the Rams out against the Bucks. Also. So trendy. 10 of the Rams' last 11 games going into this as underdogs went over. This did too. So make it 11, 57 points. That's 11 of their last 12 as underdogs have gone over. They are ready to show you not to underestimate them, and they're going to use their offense to do it. And then the Buccaneers have failed to cover the spread in 9 of their last 10 games as favorites against NFC West opponents. Sunday makes it 10. Not a covering team. Which makes sense, because the only thing you can really look at and probably count on is Tom Brady heroics at some point and him digging them out of a hole. Yeah. Uh, Also, I'm going to add to So Trendy here on the spot. uh, Mike Evans, I believe, beating Ramsey on that touchdown catch was so fetch so trendy love to see that happen to jalen ramsey of all people because i he's incredible he's incredible what he does but he talks a lot right like he does he talks a lot and it was just kind of like a little like i don't want to laugh but i'm laughing at you a little bit jalen ramsey because you got beat bad so i'm gonna add that as trendy that was very fetch not so trendy though no Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. I This is mixed. I know this is mixed feelings for people because a lot of people are like, oh, yes, like, just saved from having Tom Brady in another Super Bowl. But how much longer do we have him for? You know? Like... I don't know. I'm getting sentimental with it because, I mean, we're coming up on the end here, I think, with Tom Brady. I know he talks, like, as long as I can play and as long as I'm healthy and I'm, you know, maybe he'll go another five years. But that's easy to say. And we don't know at any given moment, like, this could be Tom Brady's last game last season. And so I think it's sad, okay? And if you don't care that Tom Brady's not in the Super Bowl, that's fine. But it, you know, it's like watching LeBron James, you know? Like, we, we don't get these guys all the time. So... Uh, plus, also speaking of get them, how much longer do the Bucks have him for? That's what I want to know. Also, not fetch, not trending, dropping passes from Tom Brady. I mentioned this already, especially in a playoff game. That's embarrassing. Get it together, please. Don't do that. Uh, also, on the Rams side of things, their turnovers. Enough. Stop it. We've been focusing on Matt Stafford's turnovers and interceptions so so much uh, that I think we've forgot that there's been some Rams issues overall on the team with turnovers. Uh, Poor Acres, but man, get it together there. And then Stafford, again, scaring us at the end, trying to run it, but it didn't turn over, but mm, you're scaring me still. So Rams clean up the turnovers, not trendy, not going to work against the 49ers who are just waiting to pick you off. Finally, Bills at Chiefs. There were no bad games this weekend, but this being the crescendo of this weekend, my goodness, the Chiefs were two-point favorites at home. 54 was the total. It got obliterated because this game went to overtime in just the most dramatic fashion and really determined the fate of the game. For poor Josh Allen, who balled his heart out, uh, 42-36 to final score for this one. Chiefs win it in overtime because they win the coin flip. Bless that coin for the Chiefs. Uh, Chiefs had 42% of the money on the money line, 43% of the bets. So more people on the bills money line, interestingly enough. The Chiefs spread had 40% of the money and 47% of the bets. Yeah, people were loving the bills in this. And then the over 46% of the money and 67% of the bets. So that's where the public probably liked it a little bit more than the, the big money, let's say. And also something to note too. Just because you have a lot of money and you make really big bets doesn't mean you're a sharp gambler, right? Doesn't always mean that. So, grain of salt. Take that with a grain of salt. Uh, First of all, before I go into So Trendy, uh, no, this is So Trendy. This is leading off So Trendy. Mahomes went 33 of 44 for 378 yards, three touchdowns, zero interceptions, which is incredible. But on the other side, Josh Allen, 27 of 37 for 329 yards, four touchdowns, and zero interceptions. Can you ask for something cooler than that? I mean, that's so fun of a game to watch. If you're a person who loves football because you want to see points scored, uh, this was the game for you. So trendy. Chiefs have won seven straight home games, make it eight. The Chiefs have been the first to ten points in eight straight home games, which is oddly specific, but this will be number nine. Nine straight home games, first to 10 points. Which, like, that's something you can bet, by the way. It's not something I ever bet, but it's uh, on betting menus. You can bet first to 10 points. And I'm sure if you went and tried to bet the Chiefs that it would be juiced because this is trending. Uh, Also, leading up to this, six straight Chiefs games had gone over. 78 points in this one, as I mentioned. Make it seven. Seven straight Chiefs games have gone over. Uh, And also, the home team has covered the spread in seven of the Chiefs last eight games the home team so not necessarily the Chiefs but seven of their last eight games home team covered they did it again shout out to the coin toss for that one Uh, not so trendy you already know you already know what's not so trendy about this the NFL overtime rules, I'm not going to wax poetic on it. I saw it all over Twitter. Everybody's upset about the same thing. There's got to be a better way to do this. We were thinking about this weeks ago. We've seen we've seen a lot of great overtime games already, overtime situations, and it's just whoever wins the coin toss most of the time. And you have this incredible young talent in Josh Allen, and he doesn't even get the ball in his hands. It's not cute. We're not doing that anymore. NFL, fix it. And also not so trendy. No more Josh Allen in playoffs. It's not cute. It's not fun. Uh, And I don't like it. Also, going back to last week, looking at the most wagered on plays, the strongest public plays for Bat Rivers, and let me tell you, so many L's. So many L's. Most wagered on plays by total money. So total money put on these plays. Uh, relative to the rest of the games and rest of the options. Packers minus five and a half. Yeah. It also had two times the handle of the second most wagered on play at one point, which was Packers money line. Titans minus three and a half was number three and bucks minus two and a half was number five. The one that did hit was Bengals plus three and a half at four, but the rest of these congrats to the book. Uh, strongest public plays by percentage of bet money. So just highest percentage, not necessarily highest amount of money. Packers money line, Packers minus five and a half, Bengals Titans over 47 and a half, Titans money line, and Titans minus three and a half. No, 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 and no. Strongest public plays, none of them cashed. And then strongest public spread plays by percentage of bet money. So highest amount of money in that game. Packers minus five and a half, Titans minus three and a half, Bills plus two, and Buccaneers minus two and a half. No, 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 and no. This is why people like to, to try to follow the sharp money, if you will. Uh, and it's it's an interesting style of betting, for sure. I don't particularly subscribe to it personally, but you can see why you would be successful doing it, at least this weekend. Coming up, though, I'm, I'm done. I'm done because we definitely have to talk about the Rams and 49ers game, but we will do that on Wednesday's pod. We will do it on Friday's pod. I'm trying to get a guest that I'm really excited about but is probably very busy at this time of the season uh, on for Friday's pod. And obviously, I'll try to get a guest on for Wednesday as well, probably somebody from the VEASAN family. So we'll talk all about that. But I'm done with the NFL for now. It was a lot of excitement. I still got to come down off it. Coming up, though, men's college basketball, UCLA and USC, both in action. USC is hosting ASU on Monday. And again, huge game for UCLA on Tuesday, hosting Arizona, number three in the AP pool. Uh, welcome, uh, welcoming all that back in just a moment. That's next on the Los Angeles CityCast presented by Bett River Sportsbook.
0: Looking for a hot tip to bet on? Check out the new match tips at Bet Rivers Sportsbook. The new tips feature gives you special insights on player props and match bets for the top tips of the day. Go to Bet Rivers before the game, find your match, and tap the tips icon to see independent research on recent team and player performance. Bet with confidence. Visit the Bet Rivers mobile app or go to BetRivers.com and get the top tips of the day. Must be 21 gambling problem. Call 1 800 Gambler. Playable only in states where Bet Rivers is licensed and in New Jersey at Play Sugar House.
1: Welcome back into the Los Angeles CityCast presented by Bet Rivers. I'm your host, Danielle Alvari, and the next topic is one of my favorite, college basketball. Let's start with UCLA's game. And yes, I know USC, Arizona State is happening on Monday, and Arizona at UCLA is Tuesday, but it's the bigger game, so we're going to start there. And if you want to listen to the USC stuff, then skip a little bit ahead. So... <laughs> That was a little aggressive. Sorry, guys. I'm just really excited for this matchup because it's a big opportunity for UCLA because Arizona is ranked higher than them and for a reason. This is a very, very good basketball team. Uh, Arizona is 16 and 1. They're 6 and 0 in the Pac 12. UCLA 13 and 2 overall, 5 and 1 in the Pac 12. That one loss coming to Oregon not but a week ago, and the other overall loss to Gonzaga. Maybe you've heard of them. Uh, UCLA right now, number nine in the AP rankings. That's probably going to change by the time this airs. And Arizona was sitting at three. So UCLA hot off a road sweep beating Utah, then Colorado. Isn't that nice, right? Somebody actually pointed this out on Twitter. They were like, I'm just glad we're not in the Alfred era where it was like we were just happy to win one game. Like winning a road sweep was a big deal. And now... Business as usual. Got to love that, Mick Cronin. As for Arizona, they're coming off two easy wins for them. Real easy. Uh, Stanford last Thursday. Not necessarily the easiest. No shade to Stanford, but, you know, come on. Uh, And Cal. They just beat Cal on Sunday. That might as well have not been played, really. Uh, But both these teams, UCLA and Arizona, excellent basketball this season. Their only losses, if you think about it, have come to really good teams. Like I said, UCLA lost to Gonzaga. Uh, They lost to Oregon, which was in large part due to UCLA going so cold and shooting, I would say, which understandably is an issue, and we'll address it here. And Arizona's one loss came to Tennessee by just four points. I want to look at that game because I want to figure out what went right for Tennessee, obviously. Last time these two teams played, though, UCLA-Arizona, was last February, February 18th of 2021, and maybe you remember because Jaime Jaquez went off; it was his 20th birthday. He scored 25 points, uh, and they had a huge lead, I believe, heading into the half. And then they ended up winning 74 to 60. So that's good. That's a good way to have the last game go, right? But unfortunately, Arizona. What's so scary about this team, and take scary with a grain of salt, is they're so young. One senior, Justin Keir, and I mean, it's freshmen and sophomores running this team. And some of those sophomores saw UCLA last season, but a lot of these, obviously, freshmen did not. And yet, here they are just tearing through teams, 16-1 and one overall. So this is a scary Arizona team because they're going to be talented for years to come, perhaps. I mean, as long as nobody leaves for the NBA, which, you know, they love to do. When we look at this side-by-side, as far as Ken Palm rankings go, UCLA is 12th. Arizona is 2nd. 2nd. They are 1st in average offensive possession length. If you want to know how good this is, yes, Gonzaga is 2nd to them in this category. If you're up there competing with Gonzaga for categories, especially offensive ones, that's incredible. Um, They're also 2nd in adjusted tempo. They're 8th in adjusted offensive efficiency and ninth in the adjusted defensive efficiency. This is going to be, if I didn't already say it, such a tough game for UCLA. Now you see on the other side, 17th in adjusted offensive efficiency, which is a little bit improvement, I believe. And then 21st in adjusted defensive efficiency. Um, so a little bit of actually regression in that defensive area. They were actually 17th, not but a week and a half ago. And I'm sure that those Oregon games gave them a little bit more trouble uh, and caused that to kind of drop a little bit. But UCLA does one thing well. They do a good job of taking care of the ball. They're one of the lowest turnover teams. I say that every time. Uh, They're 51.5% effective field goal percentage. They're 36.2% from three, and then shooting 71.7% free throw percentage. Issue for me right now with UCLA's offense, first of all, consistency. And part of that is tangled up with the fact that Johnny Juzang, Love him, but takes 30.2% of the shots, which we want him to do. It's Johnny Juzang, but he needs more consistent help on offense. And I hope that we see something like we saw the last time these teams played last February where Jaime Hawkes goes off or something like that. And you have those games. And what's great about this UCLA team is you can watch that they play for each other. And that's probably something, not even probably, it's definitely something that UCLA has that Arizona doesn't. Now, is that something you can measure necessarily? Not really. UCLA's experience you can measure. They literally went first four to the final four, and we know how March is. It's just a lot of Plinko. But this team has experience, and they play for each other, and that's the only way they were able to get to the final four last season. Um, They don't have any, like, I mean, yeah, Johnny Juzang is a star. They they don't have any, like, crazy star who stands out or whatever. And Arizona just has less experience on the other side. Now, they've been doing just fine without it, but – when it comes down to these final minutes of these games, that's where UCLA is going to succeed, I think. And what they need to do is prevent themselves from falling behind to an impossible hole like we saw versus Gonzaga, which admittedly this Arizona team is completely capable of doing because of the way that they're built in the paint. Uh, when we look at Arizona, rim protection, it's going to be huge for UCLA. Um, Tubeles, I don't want to say his name wrong, but sorry, guys, I'm going to go for it. Azules Tubelis. The freshman and Christian Coloco, sophomore, they're going to be dominating the offensive rebounding here. That's kind of an area that is going to factor in a lot here. Miles Johnson has been great here. Uh, 15.2 offensive rebounding rate on Ken Palm, more than either of the guys mentioned. They're more in the 11s, but there's two of them. So admit that. Uh, And when we look at the game that Arizona lost, which was to Tennessee December 22nd, I believe. The reason that Tennessee was successful besides, I mean, there was a couple reasons, but they had this kind of offense that was around the perimeter. And so they took advantage of Arizona kind of spreading out their defense and instead kicked it into their 6'9 guy, John Fulkerson, and just kind of fed him. Now UCLA could try to do a similar thing with maybe like a Cody Riley or a Miles Johnson and Miles Johnson's been getting a lot of playing time. And again, like I said, just been great in that area. So this is going to be a big man game that needs to have UCLA kind of step up in that way. But I also think it's great that UCLA is a little bit more three point leaning than Arizona because you get more points for shooting from there. If you didn't know, um, But I just think that they need to be able to have that option down low, just like Tennessee did. And, of course, Tennessee is a top-five defense. So they held Arizona to 18 points below their season average at the time. And that is an area that I feel confident with UCLA is their defense, and that's Cronin's background and his strength. And so as great as the defense can be, on the other side of things, for example, Tennessee hit seven of their first 11 shots. They opened up a 16-2 lead in the first five minutes. That's the kind of thing that UCLA needs to be able to come out and do, and their offense isn't necessarily been doing that on a consistent basis, and by necessarily, I mean they really haven't been doing that at all. So the shooting has to go well for UCLA, similar to how it did last week, actually. They had a game, and I said, wow, it went over the total, and it really only went over the total versus Oregon State, I believe, because UCLA had an incredible shooting night. It can't be remember that game when they did that. It can't. It's not going to work long-term. And Arizona is too talented to stop with just a good defense. Like, that's just the bottom line. That said, UCLA's beat Arizona five straight times. Let's not forget. And eight of the last 12 times these two teams have played. So Arizona begging for this matchup when it didn't get rescheduled was kind of funny because calm down. You guys have lost five straight. Maybe this is your time. I'm not saying this isn't a talented team that can do it, but relax. Uh, in their last ten games, though Arizona uh, versus UCLA, three and seven. So of course, going back years there, and then the last time actually the Arizona won in Pauley Pavilion, January 2017. Maybe this is the next time. I hope not. I'm going to be at this game. Uh, Arizona is six and four against the spread in their last ten road games. Better at covering the UCLA, is frankly UCLA. Not a covering team. The other night, actually, I talked to Tim Murray, who works with VEASAN. He hosts a show for them. Um, He's incredible, especially with college basketball. I asked him to come on the show and talk about this soon. So maybe we'll get him on Wednesday's show to kind of recap how this game went uh, or later on in the season, either way. Uh, But he asked me about UCLA versus uh, Colorado, I believe. And he said, oh, I'm going to go with Colorado on the spread. And I said, yeah. I think he had nine or something like that. And... I just said UCLA is a good team. They know how to win games. We saw that last season in the, in a, you know up to the final four. They know how to win games, but they're not necessarily going to cover the spread that the bookmakers make out. They're probably kind of, you know, giving them a head scratch actually. Uh, but not knowing the total yet, I'd say I'd look at an over. Uh, but the books know Arizona is a good offensive team and that they're just going to feed their big guys, you know, down low. UCLA could shoot well like they need to and send this over. Arizona could beat the crap out of them like Gonzaga did. Either way, those are overs. Uh, I'm hoping Cronin wouldn't allow that again, but there's only so much you can do. And the other option here is UCLA defense could kind of mess with Arizona and maybe make this go under. Uh, And Arizona's defense too. Let's not count that out either. I mean, top eight and top nine defense and offense here. I think we could see an over for this. This is the type of game where UCLA's defense might struggle. And in that regard, maybe this goes over. But not knowing the number, if the number was something like 148, which was the second highest total for UCLA this season, and that was against uh, Marquette, I believe. Uh, And then the highest was versus Gonzaga. It was set at 156, which is crazy. And obviously UCLA did not score enough points for that to go over. Uh, Both those games went under. And so then I would lean under if the number was really high like that. Uh, yeah, something like 148 or less, maybe like 146. But yeah, something around 148. I think we could see this being like a 75 to 71 kind of thing. Uh, or it could be a complete, again, it could be like they just come in and they do what consecutive to them because they're that caliber of team. But I'm going to count on UCLA's defense and their experience. And I'm going to be optimistic about the offense. <laughs> I know UCLA's at home, uh, so some people are like maybe they'll be a slight favorite, but I think Arizona should be given the favorite side of things. I think that they should have to lay the points, even in Pauley Pavilion. Uh, you know, they're three and four ATS in their last seven games. Oh, and by the way, they've been a double-digit favorite in 13 games this season and covered it nine times. They've only been an underdog twice, and it was versus Michigan and Tennessee. So yeah, I think that they should have to lay they should have to lay some points, and uh, if they do, maybe that's an opportunity to go in on the Bruins, get some points. Depending on how many it is, I'm gonna have to look at this. But I, I'm my crazy thing that I would do as a UCLA fan is do something like UCLA moneyline in Pauly. But I've given you all the information. Make your decision as you see fit. I'm not gonna bet on Arizona here, even though I do think that they've been great at covering, um, and they've just been great at basketball lately. That's like my psst, hint, hint. Bet on Arizona, but I'll probably pick UCLA money line because I'm self-destructive. Uh, and by the way, UCLA is one in six ATS in their last seven games, so I'm not touching, <laughs> not touching the spread. Maybe they'll win though. Uh, not great at covering, unfortunately. And uh, just hoping for a good game here, guys. Hoping for a good game, but uh, Arizona's really good. Let's move on. Arizona State, not good at all at USC. Uh, Arizona State is 6-10 overall. USC is 16-2. USC just beat Colorado and Utah, similar to UCLA. And uh, also lost to Oregon, similar to UCLA. Who can't wait for the UCLA-USC game? Not me. I can't wait. Uh, Arizona State, meanwhile, just lost to Stanford on Sunday by 3. USC is 23rd ranked in Ken Palm overall. They're 39th in adjusted offensive efficiency, 25th in adjusted defensive efficiency, which is good on them. Their defense is kind of tightening things up. Effective field goal percentage still sitting around 52, almost 53%, uh, 35% from three. Meanwhile, ASU, 123rd in Ken Palm. The one thing going well for them, their defense, 66 in adjusted defensive efficiency. Uh, But their offense struggle bust, 221st. Like, look at the discrepancy there. USC is going to win. They'll probably cover any spread, to be honest. I don't care what it is. They'll probably cover it. And how is ASU going to score? Plus, their defense is is really ranking-wise. It's like on par with Colorado's. So I see an under entirely possible in this game, really. I, I think you could look at an under, but it of course depends on how low that number gets. That's all for me, though. That's the college basketball. We got Monday, we got Tuesday. I'm excited for it all, but I think we're all very excited to see the Rams in the NFC championship. Can't believe we're getting to say that. Can't believe that's how far we are in the season. Thank you so much for listening to the Los Angeles CityCast. Remember, new shows three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Follow the pod if you're listening to it already. I assume you do. Thank you. I appreciate you. And as always, feel free to tweet at me, at Danielle Avari, if you have questions. I'll be back for more fun and games on Wednesday. So please come on back for more of the Los Angeles CityCast, presented by Bett River Sportsbook.